Thank you, Joshua. And I want to just give thanks to God for Joshua Sarita and Josh Quira for all their technical help and support through our Facebook live stream over these these many weeks. And also uh, give thanks to Tom and Jill, Alex Swan. Um, I also want to thank uh, Ethan today for that, that powerful prayer for our nation. Thank you, Ethan, for that. That was uh, very edifying. And uh, like Joshua, I just feel so grateful to God for uh, the prayers that are lifted up by the, the godly men in our church who are really carrying um, our church and our nation and our world on their heart, like Ethan and like John last week. Um, just so thankful to God to be a part of this church. And uh, before I enter into the preaching of the word, I want to um, just give you a brief announcement related to our reopening. I'm happy to tell you with excitement that on June 21st at 3 p.m., Lord willing, uh, we're going to be gathering together again uh, for the first time ever since the uh, since the uh, quarantine started with the coronavirus. Uh, June 21st, 3 p.m. at the Fairview uh, Fairview Christian School in Reading, and I'm so uh, looking forward to being together with you all on June 21st. So next Sunday will um, will be our last live stream like this. Though I want to say that. Um, on June 21st, our hope also is to um, either live stream or record that service and post it um, because we're aware that for some on, the, on June 21st, uh, you may not be able or willing to yet uh, come together again uh, just due to uh, concerns, understandable concerns still about the coronavirus. And uh, we are going to do everything we can to make this service available to you. And we respect that uh, perspective. And uh, we're excited to begin to meet together in person again. But we're going to do that um, safely as a church family to look out for each other's health and well-being. And, uh, but it's going to be wonderful to gather together again with you, church. And I'm really looking forward to that. So um, I sent an email out last night about that with some more specifics and detail about that if you did not receive that email it may be that um we have an older email address of yours uh if you could uh send us your email um if you want the instructions about the fairview christian school and our reopening on june 21st at 3 p.m um we can send you that email um one of the reasons we're going to need to meet at 3 p.m as opposed to 10 a.m which is our goal is that uh, there's some construction um, project going on that's going to hinder us from being able to meet at 10 a.m. So we're going to meet at 3 p.m. And uh, I believe that the uh, Fairview Christian School is going to serve us well in terms of space. There's also air conditioning um, that will help us in the midst of the summer heat. So we're, we're really looking forward to that. And I uh, can't wait to see you again, church, and worship Jesus together with you in person. So... Um, if you could open up your Bibles today to 1 Kings chapter 8, we're going to read God's word together in 1 Kings 8. And the title of the message this morning is, God is big enough for this. And 1 Kings chapter 8, we're going to read verses 27 through 30 together. This is Solomon praying his prayer of dedication for the newly completed temple and the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the temple 
and the Holy Spirit moves Solomon to pray uh, this powerful prayer uh, for the glory of God. So let's let's look at uh, Solomon's prayer in verses 27 through 30 of First Kings chapter 8 in our Seeing Christ in All the Scripture series. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day. That your eyes may be open night and day toward this house the place of which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place and listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Um, We're going to cry out to God and ask him for his help. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you so much for the power of your word and the life that it breathes into us as your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us who are hearing your word today. Lord, I I ask that you would bring it home into our hearts and comfort us and strengthen us, uplift us. We so desperately need you and to see how awesome and how big you are. Holy Spirit, I pray you would reveal and you would illuminate the truth of how awesome you are to all of us today and cause our hearts to love you even more, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I mentioned, the title of the message is God is big enough for this. Uh, The first point is the immensity of God. Uh, The second point is the awareness and availability of God. And the third point is the forgiveness of God. So let's look firstly at the immensity of God. Um, My wife, Shannon, uh, has recently just been doing just some uh, fresh decorations around the house. And it's been beautiful to watch her and my daughters, my son, and, uh, and even myself, I put a drywall anchor in this week, so I felt really proud about that. Um, and uh, I'm actually getting quite proficient at it, so I'm starting to feel like a real man uh, <laughs> to be able to put a drywall anchor in and to be able to hang a picture. 40, 46 years old, I'm glad I finally figured that out by God's grace. Um, but on uh on one of the boards that my wife put up in our house, she wrote down the words of these, this hymn. And uh, the hymn is, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turning your eyes upon Jesus and looking at his wonderful face is the need for every single one of us 
today as believers in Christ. Um, as we look at his word this morning, as Ethan touched on in his prayer, for our nation, there is no uh, lack of distractions available to each and every one of us from turning our eyes upon Jesus and looking full into his wonderful face. There are distractions for each and every one of us. There are distractions away from Christ everywhere you look. So many of us have been commenting about how much noise is out there and, 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 and in here. There's noise within. There's noise without. There's so much going on that can tempt us to turn our eyes away from Jesus and his wonderful face and to look upon things that as the longer we look at them become more and more discouraging and wearying to our souls. We have a, a call as Christians to to fix our eyes on Christ and to turn our eyes upon Christ. And that doesn't simply happen by default. There's an active work that I need to do as a follower of Christ to actually pull myself out of the distractions, either without or within, and to turn my eyes once again upon Jesus. I think this passage of scripture this morning will assist us toward that end. And I'm praying that God would really comfort all of you, church. I, I've been really praying, you know, just pastorally. It's a real pastoral burden for, for us as a local church family. Um, for every single one of us, um, there are tailor-made distractions that, that fit each and every one of us and our various personalities, the various burdens that each and every one of us carry. And each one of us are individuals. We all carry different burdens and we all are carrying different passions and in relation to even what we are all going through related to this pandemic with the coronavirus. There are temptations and frustrations that society is facing right now. And you see, in a sense, the, the society in, in chaos and upheaval. And then in the background of all that is a prolonged quarantine, which has got so many people frustrated and confused and perplexed. Um, just the, that one dynamic alone and being in quarantine and having your life altered affects all of us. And, and there are distractions aplenty in terms of things that we see, dynamics in our culture that are hard for us to see happening. And there's a temptation to turn our eyes away from Jesus and look upon those distractions and to allow those distractions, allow those temptations, allow those frustrations to begin to increasingly dominate our minds. And the longer the quarantine lasts, the more distracted we can be. And the longer time goes on, the more habitually we can turn our eyes away from Jesus into all those distractions, frustrations, 
and temptations and allow our soul to become frustrated, to become angry, to to become disquieted and to, to lose our peace. And if we're not careful, we can look and we can we can we can blame it all on everything that's happening out there, but 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 in reality, if we look very carefully, oftentimes, even as I look into my own life, it's because I have turned my eyes away from my Lord and have begun to focus more on the distractions, the frustrations, the fears, the anxieties, the temptations that lie out in our culture or some dynamic that I'm perceiving that is tempting to me to observe that's going on. And rather than the sweet, sweet trust in Jesus and rest and peace that can only come from him by turning my eyes away from him and fixating on these other things, I can increasingly begin to grow like a snowball rolling downhill, picking up speed and mass. I can grow into more of a mass of frustration and anger and fear rather than be controlled by the spirit of Christ, the rest of Christ, the peace of Christ. And so I pray that this message would serve all of us today, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full on his wonderful face because then the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. And that's what we're after. We're after focusing on Christ so much within our church family that the things of earth grow dim rather than the other way around. And I do believe that it can work the other way around. We can turn our eyes away from Jesus and focus on all of the chaos in this fallen world. And and we can slowly, Jesus can sort to grow dim. And this begins to take a more dominating view in our mind and we can lose our peace, lose our rest of soul. I believe God wants to restore that to you this morning. I believe God wants to restore that to me this morning. And I include myself in with you on that battle. It's a battle for all of us. And it's not just for this time. It's really the battle of every new day. I find for myself that I can be walking very closely with the Lord and having my eyes fixed on Jesus one day. And then the next day I can be greatly distracted. I hope you can relate to me with that. And it's, it's, it's a tendency, I think, that all of us as Christians can face. But thank God for his word, which renews our mind. And let's look at God's word with this point, the immensity of God. And let's let the word of God refresh our weary souls this morning. Let's look at verse 27 again. But will God indeed dwell on the earth. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. As Solomon is humbly acknowledging here that this beautiful and glorious house that he and the people of Israel built for the glory of the Lord's name is nothing 
in comparison to the greatness and the immensity of God. He was right to pray this prayer and to pray it so humbly. We sing a worship song in our church called The Greatness of Our God, and we sing, No sky contains and no doubt restrains all you are, the greatness of our God. And here we see in Solomon's prayer his immensity and his greatness. He says that heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain God. Oh, I was thinking of the phrase that we would often say to one another, church, um, whenever we face hard circumstances, or and I think it's applicable to us right now as we're looking at all that's going on um, in, in our culture and in our world in these turbulent, extraordinary times. The, the exhortation that a godly believer will give to another believer when they say, don't put God in a box. You can't put God in a box. <laughs> so true. You can't put God in a box. As Solomon takes that a little bit further here in verse 27. It says, you, you, you can't put God in a universe. <laughs> His immensity is so great that even the highest heaven cannot contain him. Scripture says, this prayer is an acknowledgement of how small their great temple that they built was. And we often think of the things that we do as great monuments to God and this great house that was built for him by Solomon and the people of Israel that took them seven and a half years to build. God didn't even ask for them to build that for him and God did not require that out of him. The Lord was content to dwell amongst his people in a tent in the wilderness for 40 years as his people were on a pilgrimage with no land of their own to call their own, no settled place. The Lord dwells with his, with his humble people as they're on the move with no home and no permanent place to worship him at. And yet the Lord receives David's intentions to want to see a house built for the glory of his name as as good and honorable. And he gives the charge to Solomon to build the temple. And it's built here. And the Lord fulfills his promise to David in this section that he would have his son Solomon build the temple. That's happened here. There's another fulfillment of the promises of God. And it's a good reminder to all of us that God always fulfills his promises. That can help us in the midst of these days where there is so much upheaval and it seems like there's nothing steady. The promises of God are steady, church, and they are always fulfilled, just as this promise to King David was fulfilled. And that's due to the Lord's greatness and immensity. Louis Burkhoff says that God's immensity, quote, points to the fact that God transcends all space and is not subject to its limitations. God is not subject to the limitations of space. And we look, and we look with awe and wonder through telescopes out into the universe, and we're constantly developing technology to try to reach further and further out. Our sight and our ability to see 
depths into the universe that have yet been untapped and unexplored. And here Solomon's saying, we're still striving to see that which we haven't seen. And even if we could see it all, God cannot be contained by all that. He's so great and so big and so awesome. The Lord is seeking to draw our attention this morning to this precious truth that he is greater than we can even imagine. And his immensity is so great that the highest heaven cannot contain him. Isaiah 66 verses 1 and 2, highlighting a similar truth, says this, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Oh, church, just by way of application to us today, practically as a church family, to help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and to look full on his wonderful face and to have the things of earth grow strangely dim. Brothers and sisters, let us spend more time in the precious word of God than we are on other things. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind according to God's word. But it's also possible to be conformed to the pattern of this world if we don't put ourselves under the refreshing waterfall humbly of the word of God breaking over our soul again and again and again. This is the one to whom the Lord will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at his word. Let us be a people that tremble at his word and who put ourselves before it again and again and again. Let our quiet times be like a man at a hungry, a hungry man at a feast. And let us read and feast upon God's word and taste its delights and allow it to refresh and renew our souls. Solomon talks about here and, and, and asks a very provocative question in verse 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? This question is amazing from Solomon. He's talking here in relation to the presence of God dwelling amongst the people of God, which was symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant dwelling in the uh, Holy of Holies inside the temple. And now these things were combined. The temple, the Ark of the Covenant was was added into the temple and the people of God are celebrating the presence of God in their midst. And, and Solomon saying, will God indeed dwell on the earth? This question here, in light of Solomon highlighting the immensity of God, that the highest heaven cannot contain him, the, the, the implicit answer to this question is, Lord, you are so great. 
How condescending and humble of you, Lord, to come and dwell in our midst in a house made by hands when the highest heaven cannot contain you. And you can't help but see in verse 27 also a beautiful hint and whisper of the gospel that is to come that God not only is going to have his spirit dwell in the midst of his people in a house built by human hands in the temple and in the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing the presence of God amongst the people of God and the presence coming down in the temple here in the cloud that was so thick that the priests could not even minister in the midst of it. God was going to do it even better than that. God was going to send his own son, Jesus Christ, down. The God whom the highest heaven cannot contain humbled himself and took on flesh, frail humanity to come and rescue sinners. Through his death on the cross for our sins. And you can't help but see the not only the greatness of God, the immensity of God, but also the holiness of God, that as great as he is, and no one else would do this, why Solomon says earlier in the prayer, that there's no one like our God. There's no one, no one like our God who would be so great and yet plan to send his great son for a little while to be made lower than the angels to come down take on human flesh and suffer in his body for the forgiveness of our sin this is how great our God is that he would humble himself to not only dwell with his people in the wilderness, but would also come and send his only son down to dwell amongst his people and be tempted in every way as we are and yet be without sin so that he could be the spotless lamb the spotless, pure sacrifice that when he shed his blood on the cross, it could atone for all of my sin if I believe in him. And I do. And I want to ask each and every one of you to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus for there is salvation found in no one else. It's been said before, but no other world religion has ever even come close in all the evil thoughts of conjuring up God and who he is and what he is like. They've conceived of a God of greatness, but they've never conceived of a God of condescension who would be so great, higher than the highest heaven, not being able to contain him, and yet willing to come down to rescue sinners and to redeem sinners by his blood. Oh, the greatness of our God, that he would love us like this church. Let us turn our eyes upon him and his immensity, but also his incarnation.
that he would become one of us and save us like he has. Thank you so much, Lord, for your immensity and your humility and your condescension and your incarnation. Uh, Brothers and sisters, let's look at verse 28 and look to point to the awareness and the availability of God. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry, to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day. And look at this phrase in verse 29, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. And then in verse 30, he even goes on, and listen to the plea of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place. There is a focus on prayer. There is a focus on, oh, Lord, please hear our prayer. Have regard for our prayer. Listen to our prayer when we pray toward this place. And wonderfully, the the temple, um, God is not bound by the temple to hear or have regard for his people's prayer. He was never bound by a temple in the past when he followed them and was with them in the wilderness. He's not bound to a temple here when the temple's built. And even um, as they later on sin and are sent into exile in this temple, this house made by human hands is destroyed. God's not limited to have regard for or listen to and hear his people's prayer. Even when the temple's destroyed, he's still with them and with them even in exile. And you can read the book of Ezekiel and also the book of Jeremiah, and see how the Lord is with his people, even when his people are in two different locations. Jerusalem and Babylon, it doesn't matter. That's why Ezekiel 1 has the glorious vision, not just of of God in the temple, in a fixed place, in a house where his name is, but also the the, the glorious vision in Ezekiel 1 of, of the throne on wheels going to and fro throughout the whole earth with covered in eyes. It's speaking to the Lord sees, the Lord knows, the Lord sees his people wherever they are. He goes with his people wherever they are and they cry out to him and his presence is immediately with them because he's not bound by any one fixed location and he's not bound by any one fixed location now either. We can right now in the United States lift up prayers to the Lord and he hears us. And the prayer of the Muslim woman that Ethan mentioned in Syria who just recently got saved and is facing trials that are so great. She can lift up her prayers to Jesus in Syria and the Lord sees and hears her prayers as he hears ours. Our God is not bound by space in relation to his people need to go to a specific spot and go into a specific house to pray for him. We can pray to God anywhere we are and he hears us. We can be in the car. We can be taking a walk. We can be sitting down in our home and the Lord is with us. His presence is with us. This uh, description that Solomon says, this phrase is so powerful when he 
says in the second half of verse 28 and uh, the beginning of verse 29, that your eyes may be open night and day toward his house. What's glorious is, is that God's eyes are open night and day to the prayers of his people. He's watching over us when we slumber and sleep. But he is our God who never slumbers nor sleeps. And his eyes are open night and day to your prayers and the burdens that you're carrying on your heart. You can lift up to the Lord. And under this glorious new covenant, one of the beautiful things that we learn from Jesus' teaching is, is that Jesus Christ himself is the true temple, this house that was built, the place where Israel went to meet with God. Jesus says in John chapter 2, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it again in three days. I'll raise it up again in three days, speaking about the temple of his body, which is where God's people come to meet with God now. We go to Christ and we can go to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and meet with God now. Because the temple itself, the place where God's name especially dwelt, was merely a pointer, was merely a type pointing to the true temple, Jesus Christ, where God's people really go to meet with God through the person of Jesus Christ. And when we go to Jesus in prayer, the assurance and the promise that night and day we can pray prayers in Jesus' name, and night and day our prayers are heard no matter where we are in the world, no matter what we are doing. You can wake up in the middle of the night at three in the morning and his eyes are already open to you and his ears are attentive to your prayer. And church, I was meditating on John 15 where Jesus says, abide in me. And this is a similar application to what I mentioned earlier about the word but it's something that's very important for us in, in these days. Let us also abide in the Lord through the word, but abide in the Lord Jesus through prayer. I have been so affected just in these, these, these days, these times, of how easy it is to, instead of abiding in Jesus, it's possible for us, even as believers in Christ, to abide in the news more than we abide in Jesus. This one here is a big one for me. It's possible to abide in my own fleshly thoughts more than I abide in Jesus and his word. He says, if abide in my word, abide in me, Jesus says. And if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit and fruit that will last, Jesus says in John 15. Abide, the, the Greek word for abide, meno in the Greek just means to remain, to remain closely connected with Jesus. It's so vital to remain closely connected to Jesus in these times, church. And we all 
have a responsibility as believers in Christ to, to do it. And he's going to give us grace to do it. But it is a very important pastoral burden that I believe the Holy Spirit has given to me today falling out from this text that the Lord wants to remind us that his eyes are open night and day with regard to our prayer and he hears our prayer. Oh, my brothers and sisters, let us cry out to him. Let us turn our eyes to Jesus and look at his wonderful face in the word and cry out to the Lord Jesus with our voice in prayer. Let it be that the people of Christ Community Church, the the men and women, the children of Christ Community Church, abide in Jesus more than than they abide in other things. I was uh, I was just reflecting uh, upon this. I was actually talking with um, my my mom and dad about this recently. We were just reflecting on how it's so easy during these times to be to become so consumed with all that's out there in the media right now, all the different voices coming from from the right and from the left, and it's coming in all different directions and. It's incessant, and it does not stop. It just keeps coming. How do we combat that so that we don't become troubled and lose the inner peace in Christ that we should have? It's by abiding in Jesus. Remaining closely connected to Jesus through the word and prayer. Ethan was, he brought up a great point earlier of just the importance of uh, just recognizing we have a real asset of being able to pray the scriptures. If we, we don't know how to pray for a situation, uh, to pray the scriptures. And um, I've actually, I've done that a lot where um, even if I go for a walk um, or I'm exercising, I can put my headphones in and Wonderfully, we have a lot of apps for our phones. I have um, an ESV Study Bible app. It's inexpensive. You can purchase an ESV Study Bible app. Um, and there's uh, an audio Bible on that app for me. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll put the Psalms on as I go for my walk. And um, I'll, I'll walk with the Psalms. And as the Psalms are playing, I'll pray them as they're as they're being read into my ear through the audio app and my audio Bible. Um, I have uh, a, a League in Ear Ministries app on my phone, and every day if I go to exercise, I'll listen to Renewing Your Mind, which is a program that is uh, scripturally driven, which will give you sound doctrine and sound teaching into your ear. These are things that I just need to do um, and there's many different resources out there that are good and sound, but this isn't just, you know, I'm talking as a pastor. This isn't just for you, church. This is for all of us. We, every single one of us are vulnerable to the world pulling our eyes. You feel the force of it pulling our eyes away from Jesus. And you got to recognize that we were talking about this yesterday, uh, my mom and dad, we're, we were talking about as we were fellowshipping, they're, they're through the news. We've got to recognize that behind that, 
often the evil one is at work with his designs seeking to just like like a fog machine blow fog into your gaze to where you you're, you can't even you're looking at Jesus you can't even see him because there is just so much fog and mist and how do we clear all that out of here so that we can look full on his wonderful face and to see the immensity of God and meditate on his greatness and how awesome he is brothers and sisters i think we need to be active in relation to the word and prayer and actively pressing in by God's grace to it. But also at times, brothers and sisters, we need to really turn it off while we turn this on and make sure that we're, we're, we're shutting off the valves that are polluting our souls even as we are letting in the fresh water of the Holy Spirit through the word and prayer into our souls that will help us and protect us. And this is a real burden. I think it's possible for good Christians, please hear this, I think it's possible for good Christians to be slowly pulled away from their gaze being on Christ. And it's, it's imperceptible at times. That's why it's so difficult for us to see a lot of times the drift that happens in the Christian life, we tend to think it's going to be some big thing that leads us away from the Lord. What often leads God's people away when they're tempted to drift is just a slow, sometimes imperceptible drift where the word and prayer begins to slowly get shut off and culture, media, news, more and more gets let in. And then we wonder why our souls feel so dirty and toxic. And, well, that's all we've been letting into ourselves. It's so important to make sure that we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind according to God's word so that we can turn our eyes yet again this morning, church, upon Jesus and to look full on his wonderful face. Because then the things of this earth, just as you desire, will grow strangely dim. And the confusion and the fear and the anxiety and the anger that other sources have tempted us to, those things will grow strangely dim. And as we gaze upon Jesus Christ and his immensity and his humility and his condescension, that he took on flesh, that he came and humbly died on the cross. I was thinking about this in relation to his eyes are toward the temple day and night. His eyes are open day and night. The God whose eyes are open day and night condescended in his incarnation to become a little baby who slumbered and slept. A little baby whose eyes closed And he came and dwelt amongst us. And the little baby boy grew up and became a man. And he willingly suffered by hanging up on the cross for our sins. 
And he says to all of us in the midst of this fallen, troubled world this morning, take heart, my beloved people, for I have overcome the world. And by looking at his wonderful face, we can find that the frown and the temptations to anxiety can slowly start to fade away and the anger can get flushed out of our system as we look full on the wonderful face of Jesus and are restored once again with a smile of remembering that our sins are forgiven. Christ's blood has been shed. God's wrath has been satisfied all because Jesus willingly came from the highest heaven down to earth and took on flesh, taking on the form of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's why God has exalted him to the highest place. So at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's where we're going. And I love how this ends in verse 30 when Solomon says, listen to the plea of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place and listen in heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Let's all of us, I think Tom led us well this morning in worship with a prayer of confession. Let's all pray and confess where we've allowed ourselves to become too distracted from turning our eyes upon Jesus because that's on us. That really, even though we feel the enemy pulling us and, and we feel the voices being so loud, we are allowing those voices. We are allowing our face to be pulled off of Jesus. And we've got to own that before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've allowed the things of the earth to become strangely loud instead of strangely dim. There's a responsibility that, that I have for that. Please forgive me, Lord. And as Solomon prayed, Lord, when you hear, forgive. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, our Lord, is to forgive our sins and cleanse us. Cleanse us, God, of all of the filth of this fallen world. Cleanse us from all of our own unrighteousness. And almighty God, please let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And let us remember, church, that we fight on and we fight this good fight of the faith. But the good news is that this heaven, which is God's dwelling place, we're going to go there too. <laughs> this is not how it's going to be forever. The good fight of the faith will be turned to eternal rest in heaven, which will not only be God's dwelling place, and not only is God's dwelling place, but will be, brothers and sisters, our dwelling place forever. And never again will we ever have any force trying to pull our eyes off of Jesus again, but we'll see him face to face. And in his presence, there will be fullness of joy. That's our eternal future. Right now, he is with us in the battle, and thank God he is. By God's grace, may he pour out his spirit upon us and let us turn our eyes upon Jesus right now and look full on his wonderful face. Let's pray. 
Lord, I ask that you would have mercy on us as a church family. Would you please protect us? Lord, I pray you would cause all distractions to fade away. Help us, Lord, to see you as you really are. Lord, it's only by looking at your face, Jesus, through the word and through prayer, that the things of this earth can grow strangely dim. I ask that you would help us. Lord, this is really hard in this season for us. It's been hard. Lord, we have been in quarantine for so long. There is so much distraction out there. God, help us be protected from being distracted from you, Jesus. And to slowly be consumed more and more with our frustrations, our temptations, due to all the things that we're seeing in this world. God, please turn our gaze, Holy Spirit, back to the Son of God. And help us to see him as he really is. And fill our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts with peace, even right now, as we close in prayer. Thank you for shedding your blood on the cross. Thank you that we can come before you and confess how we've been distracted. And know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are a good God. And Lord, I confess that I've been distracted. I've conf- I confess, Lord, that I, I need you to pour out your spirit upon me. And Lord, I pray for me and for all of us in our church family. Pour out your spirit upon us. Fill us with your spirit afresh that we might have a renewed passion for your word and to commune with you in prayer and that we would abide in Jesus and not abide in anything else. Protect us from the distractions of the evil one so that we can look full on your wonderful face. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. Praying for you. Let's worship. Thank you, Jesus, that one day you will return. And this mess will be eternally cleaned up. (laughs) The mess that we make every day, the mess that you entered into, as CB was telling us, when you became a little child, when you poured all of your immensity into frail humanity, for one reason and one reason alone, so that you may save us and bring us into your presence forever. Lord, dwell in our midst. Dwell in the midst of your people as as even during this time we are so separate from one another. Lord, we are not separate from you. That's right. You are with us wherever we are, whenever we are, However we are, you have promised that you are with us and that you are coming back 
to take us home. We long to see your face. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Keep you on in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. We love you.